but, but the series is called Living the Life Within You, as in Jesus is your life. And how do we let Jesus live out through us? Christ is in you and he wants out, which is a fun little phrase to make us realize, hey, he wants to live his life through us in a very powerful way. And so we talked about a number of things. Uh, we talked about mental uh, patterns that were hindering us. And there's a long list that I, I'm not going to reread them today. But there's a whole bunch of thinking patterns that if we don't recognize they're there, they're going to hinder us from experiencing a good life with each other and with God and all that. Uh, you'll have to go back and take a look at that list. Um, but before I get into that list, I want to share some thoughts called what made me ponder this week. I've been doing this all summer and then just kind of continuing. So it's not really part of the sermon, but sometimes they're connected. Um, but this is what my week is like and the stuff that makes me stop and think for a moment. And the first one is this. It's not my job to fix or save people. Not my job to be liked or do it all or please everyone or hold it together. What is my job is to love people, be authentic, take the next step, speak my truth, and breathe. Because sometimes... I'm wired like a people pleaser. I, I always want to make sure everybody's happy and fine, be liked and all that stuff. And many of us are in some, at some level. Some are a little more overt like me. Um, but we can't control others. We can't control their decisions and their direction. We can't fix their thinking patterns. And that's really hard to do, especially as a parent. <laughs> especially with someone close to us. You can't control that. Another one. Have compassion and empathy in your heart. Many people are suffering deep emotional anguish beneath the surface of their lives and smile even as they hurt inside. This is about realizing that whoever you're sitting beside, drive past, person who bumps into you accidentally, cuts you off in the road, drives like an idiot, you know, past you or you know what I mean there's likely more going on in their lives. And we don't slow down in our brains for that because we just react, oh, jerk, or oh, this, or oh, man, they're just being mean to me, and it's all about me. Me, it's all about me. It's not about you. It's about others. Remember, Jesus came and is love. He came to live a life of love. And the word love that we use in the, in the Greek in the New Testament is the word agape, which is other-centered never self-seeking. I want to be more like Jesus. Another thought. Before you speak, let your words pass through three gates. At the first gate, ask yourself, is it true? At the second, ask, is it necessary? And the third gate, ask, is it kind? We would probably talk a lot less if we use these gates. I love this one. Understanding science doesn't make God smaller. It allows us to see his creative activity in more detail. Sometimes, think, sometimes people think that uh, science is a divorce from God. And it happened years ago. Like in the early church, there was a split where the church kind of divorced science, but not all. The Orthodox Church has always seen that science works together with the knowledge of God. We see the details of God's incredible gifts in science. So science is not there to disprove God. It actually reveals more of God in, in many ways. I thought that was pretty cool. 
a prayer. It's from Henry Nouwen, and I think this week some of you have gone through some pretty heavy stuff. I've heard a lot, and so I thought this prayer might be really good for us. I'd like to read it to you, and if something clicks, may it be your prayer as well. O Lord, life passes by swiftly. Events that a few years ago kept me totally preoccupied have now become vague memories. Conflicts that a few months ago seemed so crucial in my life now seem futile and hardly worth energy. Inner turmoil that robbed me of my sleep only a few weeks ago has now become a strange emotion of the past. Books that filled me with amazement a few days ago now do not seem as important. Thoughts that kept my mind captive only a few hours ago have now lost their power and have been replaced by others. Why am I continuously trapped in this sense of urgency and emergency? Why do I not see that you are eternal, that your kingdom lasts forever, and that for you a thousand years are like one day? Oh Lord, let me enter into your presence and there taste the eternal, timeless, everlasting love with which you invite me to let go of my time-bound anxieties, fears, preoccupations, and worries. Lord, teach me your ways and give me the courage to follow them. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning I pray you open our hearts what is it you want to teach us? Have you already taught it? Is it already finished? Great. If there's more to come, make us ready. That one thing you want to encourage us with, I pray each one here hears this today, and those watching online, that you hear encouragement today. Amen. Living the life within you. So today we're going to talk about the last couple actions that will enhance or help your thinking patterns. Um, last time, um, we talked about diligently guard your thoughts. And sometimes we're, we just let every thought that come in take over. And, oh, this is how I feel right now. That's a brutal way to live. And Scripture encourages us to take every thought captive. Say, Hang on. Is this supposed to be in my mind right now? Uh, or is this not true? Is this a message of hope from Christ? Or is it a, a, a voice of darkness trying to rob me of my joy? It was pretty good. Today, we're talking about meditating on the grace of God and his excessive goodness towards you. This is something we can do. It's intentional to meditate on. We're going to kind of take a look at what Scripture says about meditate. Now, if you come from a church tradition where the word meditation is a bad thing, it's all new agey, and oh, no, no, we can't do that. Well, actually, that's just your tradition because it's all through Scripture. What is the idea of meditation? Let's see what it says. Meditate means to devise, uh, devise a plan, practice, exercise myself in, to study, to ponder. <laughs> meditate beforehand, prepare, premeditate. Um, or the words are meditate, meditates, meditative, meditating. Um, think deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time in silence or with an aid of chanting or for religious or spiritual purposes or as a method of relaxation. There's value for all of them. 
And for those that are afraid of being deceived into something that isn't them, trust the Holy Spirit in you to guide you. Don't worry so much. We don't live from fear. We live from life and hope and faith. And so this idea of what does meditate mean? Well, let's see what the scriptures say. Psalm 143.5, Old Testament. Remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. <laughs> there is room to take a look. In fact, Psalm, the book of Psalms, like all the 150 Psalms, there are meditation. There are songs. There are reflections, written reflections of what has been thought of already and then put on paper or papyrus or however they wrote it, right? In Genesis, Isaac went out to meditate in the field towards evening, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, camels were coming. That's all part of a story. I'm focusing on the meditation about the camels coming. But the point here is there is a time and a place where we need to go find quiet. Now, I've had a few people share with me, and Lori has constantly told me, and as a, especially as a young mom, you know, when, when do we meditate? Between dishes and cleaning up or what? Like, when? There's, there's no time to breathe, and that's super valid. But at different stages of life, we will find ways to take just even a moment to breathe, stop, three minutes, four minutes, you know, shut that bathroom door. <laughs> I'm still in here. <laughs> it's just, find your way, your time. Because there's tremendous value to your spirit and your body. Really important. Philippians, I love this. We're going to read this from two different translations. Uh, this is a relaxed translation called The Message. Uh, it's more of a paraphrase. And it says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by, this is intentional, filling your minds and, oh, there's the word, meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. We get to choose what we meditate on, where we focus our mind. It's intentional. Each one of us. I can usually tell what people are thinking or where they're focused by how, how we interact because we live out what we're thinking. Our emotions are responders to what we're thinking. If you're on edge, it means you're really, something's going on. If you're angry, you're you know, pondering something angrily, and it comes out sometimes accidentally, sometimes viciously. But our thoughts matter. This next translation is called the First Nations Version. This came out about two years ago. Beautiful translation. We've been using it here a lot. But it's beautiful. It says, last of all, my sacred family members. If anything can be seen as good and honorable, think deeply about these things. Things that are true and noble, upright and pure, full of beauty and worthy of respect. How many of you love art? I better have one hand up there. That's right. And how about music? Yeah, everybody. Almost. So... Just switch out the words for a moment. Think about, meditate on a photo or picture or art, something. That, that's the same, because it's beautiful, it's positive. And you're focusing on some songs, like they just hit your soul, especially when you're full of anxiety. A certain song can change your mood in a second. Especially if you love the 80s. Sorry, just saying. <laughs> Things to meditate on. I'm gonna go through this really fast. I'm really sorry, I can't, I don't have time to go through this list. But 
this is, I will come back to this another week, but these are some of the things in Scripture that reminds you of who you are in Christ, that you're a saint, you've been made right. God does not condemn you. Nothing can separate you from God. You are one with Christ. You're a new creation. You are righteous. You don't have to try to become righteous. You have the mind of Christ. And then in this list, see, there's a whole bunch. Christ lives in you. God is love. God is light. These are, these are things to meditate on and be reminded of because sometimes our concept of God hinders the love of God flowing through us. If we have a faulty concept of who God is, it's, we're going to live like it. But as we see the good news of his love and begin to believe it, it will turn into action. We don't find actions and think it will change our mind. Rarely does that happen, but it's in our mind that needs to be changed first, and actions will follow. If we want to experience the most out of this, we must grow in our understanding of God's passion for us. And yes, this is personal. God is passionately in love with you. Now, if it's hard, well, that's not too hard to hear that God loves you because every Bible track says that. Every church will say, God loves you. Touched by an angel, ended every show. God loves you. Like, it's always out there, and it can seem like background music. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, God loves me. It's his job. That's God's job. He's supposed to love me. But it's more than that. He likes you too. That's hard to swallow because some of us don't even like ourselves. Also, God values you. You're valued. If you don't believe that, you're not going to live like that. Anyway, that's a whole different sermon. But if you go through that list, man, you can, you can be reminded of so many good things. If our concept of God is that he is out to get us, this will hinder your approach. If you think God's mad at you, because many people believe in an angry God, well, God is love. So the idea of him being angry at you needs to be revisited, because I think the only thing God's angry at are the things that harm you. Don't anybody tell you different. God loves you, likes you, values you. And if your concept of God doesn't contain his passion and love for you, it's time to unpack that and find out how did I arrive at such a negative picture of who God is. Because somebody sold you a bill of goods, and it's usually to control you. Fear. Don't let that happen. I love this next part. This is one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture. May God bless you with a special favor and wonderful peace. That's a great start. As you come to know Jesus, our God and Lord, better and better. Okay, pause there for a moment. This is implying there's more to learn. You haven't learned it all. If you've been in church since you're a little grasshopper and you still sit in the same seat every week at 95 years old, Nobody here is 95, so I can say that. Um, you still have much to learn. The church is not the definition of God. The church is you and I. We are the church. This is a building that we get to be in. But the church is you and I, the people, the indwelled ones of God. God lives in us. 
It's very different. And you have much to learn. And if you've only been in one voice of teaching and have not heard others, it's, you need to expand and not be afraid. You need to spread your wings a bit and say, hang on, what can we learn from one another? See, I, I, I grew up a German Baptist, and then I got saved. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I grew up in a German Baptist church, so I got hit double whammy. Strict Baptist, strict German, so double strict. All right? They taught me a lot. They taught me about the word, okay? There was a focus. They had an emphasis. But then I went to a Pentecostal church, which was the exact opposite of Baptist. <laughs> it just was. It's like, woohoo! <laughs> you know? And I learned about the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. It was neat. But then I was part of a Brethren in Christ church, and then I was part of the United Church, and then I was part of the Free Methodist Church, and then I was part of the Korean Presbyterian Church, and then I was part of the Brethren in Christ church again, the Free Methodist Church, which I pastored for about seven years in Fort Erie, and then I came to Hope Fellowship, and I've been here almost 20 years. I call myself multi-tribal. I've been a part of a whole bunch of families of churches, and if you mishear it, it's possible that some denominations will think they're the only right ones. Everybody else is wrong because that's why we're a huddle. That's why we. But I've learned good news from so many that I can't make fun of them anymore. I used to. I said, oh, I used to be this. Oh, I'm no longer that. And you point out all the things that were wrong. Well, let's stop that because it's not about us versus them. I now get to say, here's what I learned from those people, and the people were good people. We have much to learn from each other. We're not done learning. God is bigger than what you've been told. God's better than what you've been told. We can't contain his goodness in word form for us. There's so much more to learn. So this is, this is about as we get to know Jesus better and better. There's an assumption we're going to keep learning. As we know Jesus better, I love this, his divine power gives us some of the things we need for living a godly life. Is that what it says? No. As we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. I had to look up books and articles to find out how to live like a Christian growing up. How do I do this? Well, this book says do these things, and then you will be a good Christian. Guess what I lived by? A book. Not the Spirit of God. If you just rely on a list, you don't have to think. You don't have to challenge. Or you can challenge it and say, my list is right, therefore you're wrong. And that is not what Christ has called us to live like. I love this. We have already been given, already been given everything that we need. He's called us to receive his own glory and goodness. That means believe. Receive and believe mean the same word. So, I love this line, make every effort to apply, to apply the benefits of these promises. Make every effort. This is an intentional choice. Now, when I first started learning about grace, not grace, but the joy and grace of Jesus, I was told, he's done everything for you. You don't have to do anything. You just rest. And I loved that because I was such a doer. So for me, that hit home, and I needed to learn that. But that wasn't the final stop. 
Now I've had to learn, wait a minute, there is doing. There is responding. And I live and respond, listen to this, from a place of rest. There is much doing. I love it. So it said, oops, uh-oh. Uh-oh, here we go. Okay, where am I? Oh, shoot. <sighs> Hang on. Next, thank you, thank you. Uh, I did a weird click here. Um, so this is about applying this. So if you apply intentionally, then you're going to reap some benefits. So if you feel like you're not feeling some benefits from some of your faith, maybe there's something you can actually do to trigger what's already there. It says, then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. Huh. A life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better. Oh, okay. Knowing God leads to self-control. Self-control leads to patient endurance. And patient endurance leads to godliness. But wait, there's more. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. Stop there. Okay, that's great. That means everybody in our club. And finally, real maturity, you will grow to have a genuine love for everyone. That's where it gets kind of real. I saw a meme a couple times over the last couple months. It says, it's not about how much you love Jesus that shows your faith. It's how much you love Judas. Think about that for a minute. Loving Jesus is easy. Loving Judas? Yeah, not so easy. The very people that are sandpaper to us. <laughs> but this idea that we'll have a genuine love, I have seen that become real in my life. It's not perfected, they're, right? <laughs> but I have seen God change my heart towards people, certain individuals, and turn what I thought was, oh, I can't stand them to, huh, okay. And it's become a genuine love. Only God can do that in my mind. The more you grow like this, the more you'll become productive and useful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you ever feel like you're useless and unproductive? Then grow like this. This is, this is probably the only method I have seen in the scriptures. <laughs> you know, here, do this. Sometimes you got to be told what to do so that it triggers you, you practice these things, and then you don't need this list anymore, and you begin to live from the Spirit of Christ in you, which is the goal. But those who fail to develop these virtues are blind, or at least very short-sighted. They have already forgotten that God has cleansed them from their old life of sin. Do you know you're forgiven? If not, you're either short-sighted, blind, as in you don't know, nobody's told you, you haven't heard it. There's more to the love of God than we have possibly thought of. More than we can imagine. But this is, just go read it in your own translation. This is a beautiful text. Why does this matter? In Matthew 9, 29, 
Jesus touched their eyes saying, and I'm going to show you a couple translations of this, this wording. This is about faith. And by the way, just so you know, this talk about your faith, but any faith we have is a gift from God. I think Galatians 2.20 says we live by faith in the Son of God. A lot of translations will do that, but the King James Bible actually gets it right. It says we live by the faith of the Son of God. It's not our own self-mustered-up faith. And then whatever measure of faith that is, that's this faith. Here we go. He touched their eyes saying, it shall be done to you according to your faith. That's a, trend, a traditional translation. Because of your faith, it will happen. New Living Translation. The Message Bible, become what you believe. Ooh. The Passion Translation, you will have what your faith expects. I love that. And lastly, First Nations Translation says, your trust in me will make it so. <laughs> you see, if you don't believe any of this, it's no good to you. At all. So, according to their faith. It's like somebody saying constantly, well, this can't be true. Jesus doesn't really love me. I'm not really forgiven. I'm not really accepted. I'm not really valuable. Well, then the benefits of those values will never benefit you because you don't believe it and you refuse to, according to your faith. When you believe it, oh my goodness, next level happens. And we're not in a race and we're not comparing with one another. You can't say, oh, that person seems to really grasp it. You don't know what they're struggling with personally. Each of us are our own journey. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This is really, really good. Passion translation says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. That's a beautiful translation. God's got your back in front, in and out. <laughs> Diligent guard your thoughts. Meditate on the grace of God and his excessive goodness towards you. These are the things that will help you Enjoy and experience the love of God better and better. Last one, take care of your body. As I suck in my gut, there we go. Yeah. I have a new curve to flatten. But this one we ignore in the church. We ignore our physical health sometimes. Oh, it's all spiritual. I'm getting a new body anyway. Yeah, but you're stuck in this one for now. Food and diet matter. Again, it's hilarious me saying all this stuff, but... It's, <laughs> I like my food, okay? <laughs> but I've also learned over the years, certain foods do certain things to you. <laughs> Coffee's holy. It's holy water, yes. <laughs> but food and diet matter. And there are some people struggling with their mental health, with their just general life because of how they are eating and zero exercise. There's something you can do and only the Holy Spirit can nudge you and go, tap, tap, tap. Yeah, that's you. Right? I can't do that because I have my own thing I'm working on. Exercise and sleep. You may need to get medical help if you can't sleep correctly. 
You need to, this is, again, I'm not a doctor, but this is practical stuff. There's a whole bunch of advice in the scriptures that point to taking care of our, these bodies we live in. I'd like to live longer. I want to become old and hilarious. I want to use a cane to whack people's feet in humor. Like, I, seriously, and I want to have a, a really cool walker that's it's like, yeah, here I come, Right? I want ZZ Top playing in the background, sharp dressed man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I want to have some fun. But I want to live that long. But if I don't think ahead, I won't. If I'm not taking care of this earth suit that I live in. Meditation and soul care, another thing that we miss out. We think it's just about spiritual care, but our, we are spirit beings. I believe our soul. Sometimes there's an understanding that you can uh, translate spirit and soul as together, and it's hard to figure out what, where the difference is, and that's fine. But I've, the best description of soul, to me, has been mind, will, and emotions. And those also need to be in check because it affects your body. And that's where calming of the mind, mindfulness, meditation can help. I love to meditate on the goodness of God. That's where my meditation focus is. Counseling, stress help. Sometimes you need to go see a professional counselor. And your pastor, I'm sorry, is not trained to be your counselor. I had to learn the hard way. I used to do a lot of counseling. I refuse to do counseling. I'll do pastoral counseling, but I will not do proper counseling. Go to a professional that's trained to do that. It should be as natural as going to a medical doctor. You got a pain in your arm, you go to your medical doctor. They go poke, 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 nothing hurts, and then they poke somewhere else. Yeah, that hurts. Well, wait a minute. That's not supposed to hurt there. The doctor helps you with that. Same thing with the counselor. They ask questions. They help you think. They, they don't tell you what to do. They bring out your thinking process, almost like pull the pieces out and help sort for you because you can't do it on your own. I need that help. I go see a counselor, and it's so valuable. It's not a shameful thing. The younger generation's finding out that, hey, this is normal, but us older ones, oh, I'm not going to counselor. Man, do it. Let love be the new default response. That means believe you are loved. Beloved. Be loved. Beloved. Think it through. So far, it's been about diligently guarding your thoughts, meditating on the grace of God, and take care of your body. All three of these together. Boy, you could have a different week or month or next six months because it doesn't happen quick. I promise you it doesn't happen quick. But it's also fun to be with others who are also growing where it's safe to have conversations where you're wondering about a topic and I don't know if I can ask that. Well, you can it's important too. Next week is Thanksgiving. Hope you'll join us then. We're going to have communion on that Sunday as well. So it'll be a lot of fun. I love the display that is up reminding us of fall. It's a beautiful thing. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's been a long series and uh, it's been fun to talk about how to let you live your life out of us at a fundamental level. Father, for those who don't realize Christ lives in them, 
like you did with Paul on the road to Damascus, you revealed Christ in him. Not to him, but in him. May we also have that same revelation. I pray this in Jesus' name.